It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Ho, 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 my God. Do I really hate working retail during the holidays? I mean, it was tolerable when I was on my glorious midnight shifts, four on, four off. There was time to recover, time to play. Now it feels like there's time to do nothing. I was so disappointed because... I missed out on Joshua versus Ruiz 2. I was running around doing Christmas shopping. I had some major mess up with the uh, cable company. So I had to fix that. And as I'm you know, finishing my shopping, trying to get home, I noticed some guy in the mall, two people are watching something on a cell phone. It's like, this sounds like a sporting event. And wait a minute. That sounds like boxing. And I go and I look at their phone and I'm watching the final round of Ruiz versus Joshua. And I'm just kind of like, wait a minute, like it's only, it's still afternoon. Stupid me. I thought that because this fight was taking place in Saudi Arabia that they were going to be showing it at a much, much later time so that American and North American audiences would be able to catch it at a reasonable hour, like 10 o'clock at night or something. Nope, they just said, screw it, we're Saudi Arabia, we'll do what we want, and I don't know if that's how it happened, but either way, I'm watching the fight, the last maybe 30 seconds, and I just asked, who's winning? And they said, Joshua. I remember the guy said, Ruiz hasn't done anything except walk around like a pig, and it's like, Pigs don't really walk around. If, if they walked around, pigs would be a lot thinner. And if Andy Ruiz walked around, he probably would have come in a lot thinner. Andy! 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 After you won, I did that podcast where, you know, I made it look like, oh, okay, I'm stuffing my face with all the chocolates and sweets that I can get, uh, and that I'm just going to get big and fat like you. That was a joke, dude. I didn't mean for you to take it seriously and that that was how you're actually supposed to train for a heavyweight championship fight. This guy came in 283 pounds. I don't know why that never factored into me that, you know, maybe this guy is not going to come in the best shape of his life. Maybe it's possible that he's... You know, he slipped somehow. And I remember when he weighed in, there was so much speculation. You know, he didn't take his shirt off. He weighed in wearing the sombrero. He might have had weights on underneath. I mean, and I remember Chris Ariola versus Vitaly Klitschko. Originally, when he got on the scale, Ariola weighed in. I can't remember what the number was, but he stepped off, took off his shirt, Revealed that he was wearing a weighted vest and then stepped on the scale for his proper weight. But, oh my gosh, Andy, what what were you doing? I mean, bigger is not always better. Look at big George Foreman, okay? That dude was always coming in big. But the night he, the night he won the title from Michael Moore back in 1994... That was the lightest George was, I think, throughout the entire decade. He came in at 250 pounds. And I've been checking his weights from before and after 
that fight. 250 was the lowest I could find for George Foreman at that time, okay? Leon Spinks, Buster Douglas, Hasim Rahman, and now Andy Ruiz Jr. There's something about the heavyweight championship where those who are able to obtain it in huge upsets are never able to hold on to it for very long. In the case of Leon Spinks, he was undisciplined, living too much of the high life as heavyweight champion and had a mess of a corner in his rematch with Muhammad Ali. It was so bad that at one point his trainer left the arena, went back to the hotel and watched the rest of the fight from there. With Buster Douglas, he was dealing with the constant attention of the aftermath of his fight with Mike Tyson, along with lawsuits and a lack of motivation when he met Evander Holyfield a few months later after beating Tyson. With Haseem Rotman, it was clear that while he was better acclimated in South Africa compared to Lennox Lewis, when it came to pure talent, there was no comparison. So where did it all go wrong for Andy Ruiz? We kept hearing this talk about how, for the rematch with Anthony Joshua, that he was going to come in lighter, leaner, and in better shape. And he did come in shape. It was just a rounder and fatter shape than many of us were expecting. Did all the hype and fame go to his head? Did he think he was invincible, that no matter how fat he was, he could just blow through any opponent? There were rumors that he'd been dropped in sparring, but in this day and age... Sometimes it's better to believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. And even if you did believe it, it's simply sparring. That's not going to dictate the outcome of a fight, necessarily. Or maybe it wasn't what Andy Ruiz did wrong, but everything Anthony Joshua did right. It was probably a combination of both. Joshua moved around the ring, and he used every advantage he could. He used his reach... He, a lot of people complain that, oh, well, he ran during their whole fight. He didn't really fight in the fight that Ruiz wanted. I, I remember in the 12th round, I think Ruiz was kind of beckoning him, like, come on, Brandon, let's do toe-to-toe. No, Joshua didn't go along with that. He fought his fight. He didn't want to let Andy Ruiz dictate the pace at all, and it worked. Okay, he's the heavyweight champion again. He has, you know, he's avenged the only loss of his career thus far so technically he's beaten every opponent that he's faced by way of rematch so you can't really fault him for that it's not like he got it back on a technical decision he won almost every round on all three judges scorecards i want to say you know oh you know don't you feel a bit bad for and uh, for andy ruiz not really it, it, I'm sorry, I don't feel bad for somebody who had the opportunity to do everything right and did just the opposite. Okay, like, why are you constantly eating and stuffing yourself when, you know, history has shown that this has happened to greater fighters and that it's led to disaster? I mean... Look at the rematch between Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. The reason why Leonard won the rematch so quickly was he knew that Duran would be partying, celebrating, eating, stuffing his face, and that he would have a hard time losing the weight. That was all part of his strategy. Okay? And those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And also, not to get childish on you, but... 
This is something that Oompa Loompas have even discussed. What do you get when you guzzle down sweets? Eating as much as an elephant eats. What are you at getting terribly fat? What do you think will come of that? I don't like the look of it. I can only imagine that Andy Ruiz doesn't like the look of it right now. I mean, <clears throat> uh, such a... Such a shame, such a waste, but who knows, maybe this is the uh, kick in the fat ass that he needs, and it's going to let him know, okay, maybe I actually need to get a nutritionist. Maybe I need somebody who's really going to crack the whip, so to speak, keep me out of the kitchen. I mean, look what happened to Riddick Bow. okay? There is the opportunity to make things right. I don't know what's next for Andy Ruiz, whether it's Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, a stomach staple, Richard Simmons, I don't know. But uh, he, he's got to make some decisions because this could be what makes or breaks him, okay? Just, I, I look, look, I enjoy food too, but even I know my limits, okay? And you need to learn them too. What's next for Anthony Joshua? Well, like I previously mentioned, he's defeated Andy Ruiz, you know, the only guy to have beat him, so technically by way of rematch, he's defeated every opponent he's ever faced. We've got to make this fight between him and the winner of the rematch between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. It's just got to happen. I am going to cry in agony if, regardless of who wins that rematch, Tyson Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder too, no matter who wins it, if they do not mention the name Anthony Joshua, I, I might just give up on the heavyweight division. I was so excited for the division when Fury won the uh, championship from Klitschko. Back in 2015? Oh my god, it seems so long ago. But, technically it was. But, you know, the, this new golden era of heavyweights, it hasn't been coming along quite like a lot of us had hoped. But the potential is still there, okay? The potential is still there. And I hope we can keep that going into 2020. But not just the potential, but realizing that potential. Okay? That's what I want to see. Moving on. Speaking of fat boys who love food... Vitamins A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I like food. People say that Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has been making an ass of himself in recent weeks, and I'm going to come to uh, Julio's defense and say, no, that's not true. He has not been making an ass of himself. He's been making a fat ass of himself. Oh! <laughs> where, where, where do you begin? Where do you begin with Julio Chunky Chavez Jr.? Okay, that, that's his new name. Okay? Screw Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. He's Julio Chunky Chavez Jr. Or Julio Crybaby Chavez Jr. Because this dude is quite the crybaby. It's like... You're almost 34 years old, and you're you're a little bitch. I'm sorry. I mean, Justin's probably freaking out right now because I said a bad word on the podcast, but Justin, you got to agree with me on this. He's a little bitch. Okay? 
This past weekend, or not weekend, hell, it was Friday. I, that's the thing. I thought this fight was taking place on the Saturday. Nope, it was a Friday. Like I said, I'm losing track of time because of Christmas and all that, but in Phoenix, Arizona, not too far from where my sister lives, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Oh, I'm sorry. Julio Chunky Chavez Jr. I, I don't want to dead name him. Okay. Comes into the ring for his fight with Daniel Jacobs, who is supposed to be making his debut in the super middleweight division. <laughs> There's just one catch. Oh, God, there, there, there's so many catches to this, but rather, there's a catch weight to this fight all of a sudden. You see, as he, uh, you, you know what? No, you got to go back to the beginning. This fight was originally supposed to take place not in be the beautiful state of Arizona. It's a lovely place, great weather. They only have one day a year called winter, um, instead of here in Calgary where we have like nine months of winter. Either way, fight was supposed to be originally taking place in Las Vegas. Julio was refusing to do the drug tests. So Eddie Hearn, the promoter, he said, you know what, fine, we are going to move this fight. So they moved it to Arizona. Julio came in at, oh God, this, this is embarrassing, okay? The fight is at the super middleweight limit. So it's 168 pounds. Julio Chunky Chavez Jr. weighed in at 173 pounds. The fight had to be renegotiated to a light heavyweight catchweight because, let's face it, you're above, the, you're above super middleweight. You're two pounds away from being a light heavyweight. Okay? This is unbelievable. So they renegotiate. Chavez has to give Jacobs a million dollars of his own purse. I think he was... Uh, I think Chavez was supposed to be getting just uh, $3 million. So he has to give a million dollars of that away. Then he comes into the ring. And he's got this... He's got the dumbest hair, haircut I've ever seen. I don't know what the hell he was doing. And I'm a guy with stupid hair, okay? I've been getting the same haircut... For years. You know, it, it works for me, okay? Either way, he comes in, his hair is bleach blonde, like he's pre pretending to be the Mexican Ric Flair or something. But he's got this blue patch on front, and I'm just like, what is that? Did, did somebody, like, find a dead blue jay and just, like, rub it in your hair for good luck or something? Either way. He fights two rounds that are kind of okay against Jacobs. And then after the fifth round, he's like, okay, that's it. I'm done. Citing a, uh, a broken nose and other injuries that he claims were intentional headbutts and fouls by Daniel Jacobs. Oh, shut up, Julio Chunky Chavez Jr. Even your father looked disgraced by this. Like I made this beautiful gif of like of Julio Senior just giving this face palm and looking up in total disgust, just kind of like this is my offspring. This is the son I chose to give my name to. This, this is 
my namesake? Oh, God. If Julio Sr. was not wishing for, you know, a new son, he was wishing for a time machine to go back to 1986 and tell his wife, you know what, honey? Maybe we should use protection. I'm sorry if that sounds cruel, especially at Christmas time, but you could just tell that he he just wanted to give it to him with both barrels, and maybe he should. Oh my god. I, I Also, I want to hear from Freddie Roach. What the hell, man? You know, you're supposed to be training this guy, and he's coming in five pounds overweight. What are you doing? Is this really the best you can offer? I mean... Not all the blame can be on him, okay? But maybe he should be smart enough to say, you know what, Julio's been a disappointment to me in the past. I don't want to do anything more with him. And I shouldn't have done anything more with him for this fight with Jacobs. Because it was a disgrace. And so is he. But Julio's saying, oh, no, no, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be better than ever. Uh, I want a rematch with Jacobs. Uh, he, he wants revenge against me. He's like, what do you mean he wants revenge? You're the one who quit, okay? And I don't get how fans could still cheer for him. He comes in overweight, this stupid haircut. He's a joke. I mean, I am not for uh, throwing objects at people, but he kind of deserved it. What more can you say about Julio Chunky Chavez Jr. that hasn't already been said? It's it's very, very sad at this point. I mean, the only thing that... The only worthwhile thing is that he might continue with this terrible career and terrible career decisions as well. And it's just going to further humiliate him and embarrass him. But then again, nothing's worked yet. I mean, the uh, the, the loss to Sergio Martinez didn't do it. Getting his ass beat by Fonfara after kind of the same thing happened. I think he came in a bit overweight for that fight, and he got knocked out, and, you know, afterwards he quit. And he, I remember, I, I, if I recall correctly, because that was in 2014, I believe, but he, I remember he said afterwards that he thought that he had won the fight, even though he quit, so it's like, no, no, when you retire in the corner, that means that you're submitting, that you acknowledge defeat. I mean, maybe there's some sort of translation problem or brain tumor problem that somebody needs to address him with, but regardless, Julio Chunky Chavez Jr., seriously, stop eating so much, you fat bastard. Moving on. Now, this past Saturday, we had... PBC on Fox and oh blessed blessed relief this was a really good broadcast I mean there's still some there were still some problems with it so to speak but for the most part a very good night with some very good fights there was I mean I didn't see the prelims okay I didn't see the stuff on Fox Sports 1 I'm not going to talk about that the only kind of surprise to me was that Andre Durrell is back at as a light heavyweight. I honestly thought that he had retired after two years, but no, it turns out that he's just been, 
I don't know, consulting with Dr. Shahai. And yeah, I'm still going to make that joke. I don't care. Um, let's talk about the the fights that were on Fox, or on Fox, okay? First off, the undefeated Carlos Balderas was taking on Rene Giron. Now, Giron came into the ring with a record of 13-1 against Carlos Balderas, 9-0 with 8 wins by way of knockout. It's clear that Balderas was... This was a fight to make him look good. I mean... Giron was coming off of his first loss to the undefeated Michelle Rivera, but he clearly didn't get the memo that he was there to make Balderas look good, because even though, in my opinion, Balderas was landing some cleaner shots, and he actually looked to be a bit better in the uh, the second round, by the third round, he lands this beautiful left hook, and he kept landing that throughout the fight. And he actually ended up dropping Balderas in the third round. So that was smart. He, oh! Giron puts Balderas down. Three, four, five, six. He better get up. He is clear headed, but no, hurt. Is he making he it? Can't make it? He can't make it. He can't make it. Can he take a step? No! Hands up. Walk towards you. You're going to continue? Time now, if you didn't see that fight, and I've posted the videos online at on the uh, Boxing for Free Facebook page, I retweeted them on Twitter, but go back, if you can, just find the video, okay? There is no reason why Balderas should have been allowed to continue. He, You could see that he was having a bit of trouble getting up, it's almost like his body wasn't responding, and then when... The referee is giving him instructions like, move to me. Balderas is moving backwards. He is falling back into the corner. He almost went down for a second time. The referee should have waved it off then and there. And for whatever reason, he didn't. And he let Balderas continue. But I didn't understand this. Brian Kenny, Lennox Lewis, and Joe Goosen were all discussing it. Lennox Lewis at one point even said, oh, you know, the referee should have stopped it then and there. Because what happens is, as you probably heard, as soon as the referee says, okay, fight, the bell rings. Okay, so Balderas was saved by the bell. But Lennox Lewis says, the fight should have been stopped there. And for whatever reason, Joe Goosen is defending it. And now here's the point that I want to make, Joe Goosen. Yeah. When a referee says, take a step toward me, and you fall backwards, the fight's over. Absolutely. You, you, don't, you don't say, all right, now take another step toward me. No, absolutely, you're right. Uh, I was really surprised well, that the I, ref here's was that. the reason why. It's almost like Joe Goosen was supposed to be towing the company line. And just like, no, 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 no. Um, th th This fighter who's clearly meant to be uh, the, the sort of the star of this fight anyway Here, here's why he should have been allowed to continue because he, he goes on about oh well the referee was probably aware that he only had like one or two seconds left in the round and give him a round to recover that shouldn't factor into it that should not factor into it at all if you look to be out of it you're falling backwards into the ropes okay it is clear that you do not have your feet under you so it doesn't matter if you have 2 seconds or 20 seconds, the fight should be done then and there. This is not just about entertaining the masses, this is about protecting fighters, okay? 
Don't go on your soapbox and say, more has to be done to protect these, these brave fighters, these, these poor souls who entertain us. We, we have to do better to protect them. We have to do all that we can to protect them. And then say, well, you know, uh, the referee, you know, he, he's got a good idea of how much time's left in a fight. And, you know, he's got a minute to recover. I say let him fight. Come on, you should be a bit better than that. And the sad thing is, I, I don't know if Lennox Lewis is just having a change of heart, if he's remembering, oh yeah, you know, this is a steady source of income, or if somebody actually got on his headpiece and said, Lennox, you know, you know, Brian's being a little bit too loud about this. Maybe you should kind of toe the company line as well, because Lennox changes his mind. We, we get back into the fourth round with the action, and at one point, uh, Giron accidentally lands a low blow, and Balderas comes back, lands a low blow of his own intentionally. A timeout is called to give Giron uh, a chance to recover, and then we get some more words of wisdom from the sage, Joe Goosen. It was a blatant shot. It, it, it was. And look, I mean, Ray Corona is not going to fool around. If uh, anything like that happens again, even close to that, he'll take a point, I guarantee it. So, let me get this straight, Joe. The referee won't hesitate to take a point away for low blows. He'll just hesitate to wave the fight off if the fighter is clearly out of it. I'm so glad you're paid big bucks for this. It... Where else could we get such brilliant insight? And now, in the fifth round, it's kind of clear that, okay, Balderas is still in the fight. Giron is still scoring with that left hook. It's always able to penetrate Balderas's guard. And then, you know, Lennox. This is where Lennox starts to change his mind, and I could not believe this. Somebody must have gotten to Lennox Lewis. I mean... There just can't be an explanation for it. It can't be the referee should have stopped that fight and then, no, 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 I think the referee did the right thing. And I'm not exaggerating. That's what Lennox Lewis said. The kid will get to the corner. I, I just don't think you're supposed to take that into account. Uh, you know, discretion of the referee. He's controlling the action in the ring. So if he's, you know, he's the one that, that decides all of this. And um, hey, look, we're I think the at the end of the day... He made a good decision and on one hand you know what I somewhat sort of agree with that it's kind of like oh you know that that fight should have been stopped then and there but at the same time Balderas was able to come out do better but in the sixth round that was where it all ended Giron landed another Another beautiful left hook that was able to get through the guard of Balderas. It dropped him, and this time he could not get up in time. The referee reached the count of 10, and Giron had the victory over the undefeated Carlos Balderas. Um, good fights. One thing I noticed about the PBC broadcast, and they really have to stop this, they go to commercial during the one minute between rounds. I understand that they got to do that. They got to pay some bills somehow. So, when we come back, when the, when the uh, next round resumes, don't show us replays, okay? We, we want to watch the fight that's happening now, the action that we, you know, haven't seen yet. Don't show us, oh, look at this slow-mo replay from the last round while we're supposed to be watching the fight. 
That's annoying as hell. It's dumb as hell. And I don't like it. Uh, good one for Giron. I have to question the, the referee, what he was thinking. Valderas fell back into the ropes, okay? He was not responding to instructions. And I don't care about Joe Goosen. Well, if this were the 1950s or the 1960s or even 2005. Okay, that, that doesn't matter. It's not history. We're talking about the present right now. Just, I mean, come on. If you're going to tell the company not, the, the company line, don't make it so obvious, if you please. Oh, and if you want something that's really funny, even the uh, PBC on Fox Twitter account, even that knockdown in the third round, they wrote, um, yeah, we're not sure how Balderas made it out of this round either. Even they're kind of like, okay, you know, th th this fight really should have been stopped. I mean, come on, the dude fell, was falling backwards. Even the PBC Twitter account is realizing how messed up this is, okay? Th 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 that says something. Next on the undercard was Efe Jagba versus Iago Kiladze. Uh, I've seen uh, F.A. Jagba fight before. Big, strong guy. I remember, uh, I can't remember who it was against, but he's got the uh, quickest victory in boxing history. It's either zero seconds or one second into the fight because his opponent, it was in August of last year, I think, uh, his, as soon as the bell rang, his opponent just walked out of the ring sort of in protest of... Um, the lack of funds he was receiving for the fight. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, that, that's all I've seen of F.A. Jagba thus far. Uh, here, I got to see, see him against Kiladze. Really good. I mean, this was a night of knockdowns. And it, it was a very fun fight. He, you know, drops Kiladze in the uh, second round. Kiladze looked winded in the second round. And, um... I, I just couldn't figure out how he was still, uh, Kiladze that is, I couldn't figure out how he was still standing because it looked like Ajagba's just the better fighter and he, he didn't look to be in the best shape. Maybe that's just my opinion about Kiladze, but I I thought that, well, you know, he's probably going to, he's probably going to give up around round three and or maybe the corner's going to stop the fight. And at one point he does kind of, it looks like he's about to go down, he's wobbly, and for whatever reason, Ajagba doesn't go on the attack. Maybe he thinks Kiladze's playing possum. And for all I know, maybe he was, because just a few seconds later, Iago... I think it's easier to call Kiladze Iago, that's his first name, and it's just easier to pronounce. Iago lands this short right hand, it's a, it's a counter, and that drops Ajagba. And for a second, I thought Ajagba was out because he looked just a bit wobbly as he was getting up on his knees, but he was able to recover very quickly. And I just wondered, did did Iago Kaladze just play one of the greatest games of possum I've seen in recent years? That would have probably been a 9-9 round, in my honesty. Because other than uh, the knockdown, Ajagba was in control for the whole third round. And then going into the fifth round... Iago's down again from a big right hand, and 
I, I thought, okay, the referee or the corners got to stop the fight this time. They don't. They let it continue for a little bit, and then, on the advice of the corners, somebody from the uh, athletic commission gets up. It is waving the towel on the uh, on the edge of the uh, ring, and that's what stops the fight. Good victory for FA Jogba. He's one of these uh, growing big heavyweights. Um, I'd like to see what he could do in terms of talent. I was a bit surprised that he got caught by that counter right hand that dropped him. But it's he said uh, later that this was a good opportunity for him, that he's going to learn and be better for this. Yeah, that, that, that's all I got to say. Now, uh, later in the broadcast, we got to see Brian Kenny interview... Errol the Truth Spence. This was uh, Spence's first public statement since that awful car crash a few months ago. A miracle. A miracle that he survived it. He didn't talk too much about the crash itself or the details on the advice of lawyers because of the pending lawsuit that he's facing. I mean, it was a DWI. Brian Kenny mentioned that. And... There is speculation about, you know, oh, is his career going to continue? How badly is he injured? Are there, is there stuff that we don't know about, brain injuries or whatever? I, you know, I hadn't heard anything concrete. I mean, like I said earlier in the, in the uh, podcast, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear, okay? So, Spence says that he's fine. He looks to be in great shape says that his whole body was sore, but his safety was a gift from God. He doesn't remember too much of the accident, and that's probably because he was drunk. But, like I said, on the advice of lawyers, he doesn't want to talk about that. He's been training, hitting the mitts, feeling good, wasn't sore at all, and he just took a long rest. His body felt good after training. He doesn't want a tune-up. He wants either Manny Pacquiao or Danny Swift-Garcia. Personally... You know, if you can do the Pacquiao fight, make it. I don't want to see a Danny Swift-Garcia fight. I don't think Garcia has done anything to earn a fight with Errol Spence, but that's just me. He was a little vague about when he was going to be returning. It, it kept going back and forth between uh, spring and summer. He's been. He says he's been uh, cleared to spar, but... He, it was uh, the return date that he was very clear about. You know, spring, summer, uh, maybe May. It's like, well, which is it? Do you have any idea? And finally, uh, Brian Kenny ended the interview just saying, and drive safely, obviously. It's like, you're making sure that we don't forget how he got into that accident. One thing that did surprise me, though, about this broadcast uh, especially in the interview with Errol Spence, they mentioned the name Terrence Crawford. It's kind of like, oh my god, that, you know, you you have a better chance of reciting George Carlin's seven words you can't say on television than you do the name of a fighter that's not signed to PBC. I mean, th that, that was unbelievable, but they both mentioned him, and even more unbelievable when they came back from commercial brian kenny was not forced at gunpoint to issue an apology for mentioning the name terrence crawford and acting like he had never heard the name before and he didn't know who that was it was unbelievable and finally the main event the rematch between tony harrison and jermel charlo i 
so, so often confused Jermel and Jermal Charlo. It's terrible of me, but for the love of God, did their mother really have to give them so similar a name? These two do not like each other. Uh, Harrison feels that he clearly won their fight from over a year ago. Jermel thought, no, you didn't win that fight. That was my fight that I won. And you just, somebody gave you my title. I want it back. Now, Harrison hadn't fought since their fight. That was actually literally almost a year ago to the day. The, the first fight took place December 22nd. This rematch took place December 21st. And I'll admit, uh, while I was scoring it, that I may not have been uh, the best judge, in all honesty. I'm going to admit that straight off the bat. I am not always the best judge. Um, going into the 11th round, I had Harrison ahead by one point. I had it 95-94, and I'll also admit that I'm not the best at math, so who knows, maybe my math was off. But um, Charlo had scored a knockdown in the second round, and it, it looked like, okay, it, personally, I thought the rounds were very hard to score. I mean, maybe I'll have to go back and look, oh, well, maybe it wasn't that hard to score, because I hear a lot of people saying a lot of Charlo's shots were just landing on the gloves of Harrison. Maybe I need to go back and take a closer look, but regardless. Now, going into the 11th round, I, I, I was surprised that, Char or not Charlo, Harrison was doing a lot of showboating. I just thought, you're... Now's not the time to do that, man. I mean, this guy probably knows that the fight could be close. This could be dangerous. And I, I couldn't get it, but whenever Harrison did do any showboating, Charlo would just kind of stop and watch what he was doing. It's like, oh, what's that you're doing, buddy? And it's like, no, when he's showboating, you should be hitting him. But regardless, it didn't matter because Charlo was able to knock Harrison down in the 11th round. Just this beautiful combination. And down he goes into the corner. Gets up and he is rocking Harrison with these big shots. His head is wobbling all over the place. He goes down again. Now the third... Hell, there wasn't even a third knockdown in this round. But the end of the fight, Charlo has got Harrison on the ropes. A lot of these shots, they don't look like they're landing very hard. It looks like Harrison is still kind of aware of where he is but he wasn't throwing back and that prompted uh, referee Jack Reese to step in and and the fight Charlo regains his WBC super welterweight title very good fight a lot of people uh, on the broadcast here were saying oh this is the fight of the year this is the fight of the year no this was not the fight of the year for me in all honesty the fight of the year for me anyway was Julian Williams versus Jared Hurd. The story behind that fight, the all the drama going in, that was a really great fight. I love that. I've watched it a few more times since. Oh, no, just just a great fight. Th that gets my vote for fight of the year, and I hope it gets that from Ring Magazine. We'll find out early next year. But overall, this was a good, uh, it was a good fight between Charlo and uh, Harrison. Both of them want to do a rematch. I mean, there, I think there's still some animosity between the two. I think that uh, Harrison probably feels that 
he didn't deserve to be stopped the way he did. He says he's not going to argue with the referee's decision. He said that he earned it. They also cut out his audio at some point, and I can't remember. Uh, I think her name her name is Heather. Whoever the interview is, she was annoying Lennox Lewis because at one point she asked the question, and they for whatever reason they cut in Lennox's audio, and you could just hear him saying, "Oh come on." And then they quickly cut it out. He was pissed. He was just like, let's just get out of here so that I can go back to the hotel, maybe have a few drinks, and then get the hell out of Ontario and fly back to Ontario, Canada, or wherever he's living these days. Who knows? But um, overall, good fight. I hope that we can see more of this level of PBC on Fox in the year 2020. Now, this podcast has gone on long enough, so before I wrap up, I just want to say thank you once again for hanging around for 2019. It wasn't the best year. There was a lot of growing pains that I needed to grow through, and I'm still going through, but uh, thank you for sticking with us, and we've got a lot of great things, hopefully, in the, in the works for you. Uh, I've got another video project that I'm doing some research for and I hope to have that ready for you by February just a little hint of what the fight could be but uh, that's all I've got for you this week uh, Where whatever you celebrate Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah Happy Kwanzaa, Feliz Navidad is it Ramadan already? I don't know but regardless, Happy Holidays we'll see you in 2020 We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxingforfree. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Millerad Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxingforfree and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page you can subscribe on itunes podbean and several other podcast directories if you use itunes give us a review and let everyone know that the boxing for free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary i'm andrew schweitzer thank you for listening and we hope you tune in next time i don't like the look of it